Hey, what's up, everybody? USC fans. Oops, that's a, uh, we're going to put this up here. Sorry. This is Tunnel Vision, um, doing this solo. Uh, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Sorry, I'm trying to do this, run all this stuff myself, just create this, what's going on here. Uh, I got, so this is just going to be on Facebook only. Normally we do, obviously, there's three of us in the room. Uh, normally we'll do uh, Keely and Shotgun and myself. And we'll have Facebook and YouTube and Periscope. I'm just doing this on Facebook, but I do have your Facebook comments up there. So I should be able to do this. So like uh, we have someone saying hello. Nice. Hey, hey, Derek, what's going on? So I'll be able to post your uh, comments and stuff up here um, of what's going on uh, during the show. So let's start. Uh, big news. Last night on USC's uh, conference call, Clayland conference call, we actually had a tunnel vision right after that. We all get to ask questions in the media. One of the questions I asked was, with the team being four and four, would you make any changes, any significant changes? I didn't say specifically practice or coaches or whatever, just kind of left it up in the air. And he said he felt that they were close, uh, very close. I think real close is what he said uh, specifically. But they were going to prepare for Oregon State this week uh, like normal. And then after the four games, to end the season, they would reevaluate everything like they always do. So from when I talked to them today, it didn't sound like any changes uh, were imminent. But we get word I'm recording the podcast of champions here uh, in my studio. And I start getting a whole bunch of texts. My phone's blowing up. You see on Twitter that there were some big moves made. So what happened? Neil Calloway, longtime close personal family friend of Clay Helton, who never thought he would get rid of unless was forced to, is no longer the offensive line coach. So big news there. He is fired, relieved of his duties. Uh, T. Martin, the offensive coordinator, will remain offensive coordinator, remain uh, the, re the uh, receivers coach. He will no longer be calling plays. So Clay Helton is going to take that over for him. So no more play calling for T. Martin. Uh, Neil Calloway is out. Tim Drevno, who a lot of people thought would eventually take over as the offensive line coach, he will do that. But he's also... Got all these other hats he's wearing. He's still going to be the running backs coach and the offensive line coach. Um, still the run game coordinator and pass protection uh, coordinator. The graduate assistants, Clayton said, would be uh, helping him out. So there's some big shakeup here. Now, just keep in mind, every Monday, Clay Helton meets with off I mean, uh, athletic director Lynn Swan. So when I asked him last night, were there any big moves eminent? Maybe he didn't feel there was. And then when he has the meeting with Lynn Swan, he was nudged in that direction to uh, to do that. So we don't know at this point. We're going to be at practice on Tuesday. We'll be able to ask Clay Helton all those kind of questions. But big shakeup for USC. Now, the question is, is it too little too late? Uh, you know, a lot of people have just wrote him off and feel like he's going to be gone uh, as a head coach anyway. But, you know, I never thought he would make a move like this uh, during the season. Certainly, he could have made a bigger move like this after last season, something, some sort of preemptive move to, to feel like the coaching staff is getting better. Um, but at this point, it sort of looks like it's a, a little bit of a desperation move. You only have four games left. You're going on a trip up to Oregon State and you're down a, you're down a coach now with Neil Calloway uh, not being there. That's, ask, that's a lot for Tim, Tim Drevno to do. Uh, how much can he change? Can you change the, the culture of the way this offensive line is playing? I, I don't think so in a couple of days, but He's doing something. So for the fans out there that wanted something different to happen, and a lot of us in the media were saying that, this was the time. You needed to do something different, and uh, he's doing it. So we'll see. Um, but crazy kind of times going on uh, at USC. 
uh, to go from last night, ask specifically, hey, any big things coming? And uh, no. So um, you guys have uh, already a whole bunch of comments and questions. I love it. So we'll, uh, so I want to be able to answer uh, anything you guys have uh, of what's going on here. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on uh, around this USC. So basically, how'd you get here? USC is four and four um, in, you know, on the season and three and three impactful play no longer controls its own destiny, no longer has the 19 game home winning streak. So all that stuff is, is gone. So let me try to go through some of these um, uh, questions and stuff here. So this is from Mark. Uh, what's the alternative? Do nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not the alternative. That's really what a lot of us thought uh, he was going to do um, because he's not been known to make kind of big changes. When's the last time he made any big changes when he took over the job, um, and they got embarrassed, you know, in the, as you know, he went from interim to the permanent head coach and got beat pretty badly by uh, Stanford up in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, made all those firings, uh, got rid of the, pretty much the whole defensive staff or almost all of it outside of Johnny Nansen. And then they moved on and uh, didn't do all that much as far as preparation goes for Wisconsin, but didn't look good in that holiday bowl either. So, but since then he picked his guys and that's where, um, you know, and that's where they've been going. So it's, uh, this is something we haven't really seen from Clay Helton. Now, is it something that was forced upon him? Uh, we don't know, but you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Let's see. We got, uh, here's Jan, uh, UCLA is getting better weekly under Chip Kelly. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's something that, you know, you have to keep up with the Joneses and the lot, not just UCLA who, Yes, they've not had a great year, but I feel like they're changing the culture. Chip Kelly's an alpha coach, and you could argue he's going to do well or not, but I think he's going to do pretty well there. But he's going to, they're on the rise, you know, and look at the Rams. You have the World Series here two years in a row, uh, you know, Kings and Angels and Dodger, everything that's going on. Lakers got LeBron James. You have to keep up for, for eyeballs in Los Angeles and not uh, the way things were going. USC's been irrelevant. Uh, on the college football landscape, and that's not good. You saw the forty-seven thousand plus uh, in the seats uh, for for Saturday's games against Arizona State. That just can't go over well. You're doing the, the renovations. There's a lot of money that's people are are asking. Uh, you know, they're asking for a lot of money for season tickets, for the renovations, all that kind of stuff. You need to put a better product on the field. It's just not been a very good product uh, to watch. Uh, here's one from Michael. Sorry, I, it's hard to. Uh, go back and scroll through things because I'm trying to talk and then and read these things. So I'm pretty much going to say whatever the, the latest things that came up there. Uh, Michael, uh, the season's almost done. Why now? Yeah, it would have been better uh, earlier. I think uh, a lot of, there's been some bad decisions made by, by Clay Helton. And I think if you look at people say, well, there's an excuse that you have a freshman quarterback. Well, you do. You had three quarterbacks that basically hadn't played at all. Two of them that certainly haven't played at all. Um, and Matt Fink, who got some mop-up duty, into the coming in the season. And you had a quarterback coach to hire because Tyson Helton left for Tennessee. And you hire a rookie quarterback coach. So I'm not going to say, hey, the excuse of having a freshman quarterback, I'm not going to take that when you hired a, a rookie. You had your the hire you could have made at a quarterback coach is you could have got someone with experience. You got an inexperienced quarterback coach to go along with all your inexperienced quarterbacks. So I don't think you can use that kind of thing uh, as an excuse. They needed to make a change with Neil Calloway. He just wasn't relating to players. And there's way too many guys on this staff 
who don't recruit. So it's really imbalanced. I know T. Martin gets a lot of flack from people. He's no longer to be calling the, the plays. But, man, he, he shows a lot of this. I mean, I think that there's been great development of the wide receivers. Uh, as far as recruiting goes, he's the best. Uh, that they have on the staff and does, you know, carries way more than his own weight. So there's a lot of imbalances on this staff. And I think you needed to make changes, but the changes probably needed to be made at the beginning of the season and not now you, you have eight games under Neil Calloway and it just wasn't working. They just didn't block. Well, it was, it was bad and things weren't happening to change it every week. So uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's a little too, like I said before, is it too little too late? It probably is. Uh, but, you know, if they go on a run and they win their last four games, I think, you know, Clay Helton will stick around and then he'll make, you know, modify the staff some. I'm just thinking at this point, are you rearranging the, the deck chairs on a Titanic? And he's going to be fired at the end of the season anyway. A lot of it's going to depend, I feel, on what's going on here uh, in, you know, in the next four weeks of how they perform. Because you have to remember, there is a lack of leadership at USC. There is not a president. There's an interim president in place. The ultimate decision maker isn't there for USC. Lynn Swan, another, you know, you hire a rookie athletic director. So he's never had to do this before. There's there's all new experiences for everybody. So I think there's a leadership, a power void at USC. And ideally, they wouldn't want to uh, make some kind of firing right now. But that's the way it's going. This is This is a move that, you know, is it too little, too late? Probably, but you know we'll see how everything uh, plays out. Here's Albert. Um, can they get rid of T. Martin? Well, he could have. He just fired Neil Calloway. But if you get rid of T. Martin, that's your best recruiter. Now, by demoting him, you're essentially getting rid of him. He's not going to stick around next year as the non-offensive coordinator for what could potentially be a lame duck coaching staff if the coaching staff uh, stays in place. But he's your best recruiter. Um, you know, there's a couple guys on the staff that are really good. I think he does a really good job. You know, he develops wide receivers. Um, so I, I mean, what are you going to do getting rid of T Martin? Like what, what would you want T Martin gone for? He's not calling the plays anymore. It's not like he designed this offense. I don't know why you would want him fired as opposed to, uh, what Helton did. So here's okay. Um, I'm just going to put this up there because I tweeted out earlier I'm tired of all, I'm not ready for all the horrible, horrible, horrible coaching ideas. Like, and there's a lot of really, really terrible ones out there. Here's one of them, Chris Richard. Um, (laughs) No, here's what you want to just keep it really simple. Hire a head coach that other major college programs would want to hire as a head coach. Not someone because he used to be at USC or he knows Pete Carroll. Or anyone knows the fight song. Just get all those things get out of your head. No Jack Del Rio. Hire someone who's been an experienced, successful college head coach. Priority number one. That's it. Like, is Chris Richard that? No. Then number two is hire someone who does not know the USC fight song. Keep those two things in mind. I don't ever want to hear a suggestion from anyone unless those two criteria are met. That's only two. So someone that's been good in college, a good college coach, either now or was before, and he doesn't have ties to USC. So I don't forget that. Oh, Jack Del Rio, Jeff Fisher, stop that. Just be, don't find any more former players. Former, no, that doesn't work. They've done that for the last three athletic directors. 
All the head coaches, stop doing it. No more retreads, none of that stuff. Get someone, go to get Jeff Brom, who's a great head coach, who has no ties to USC, and he's proved himself in college. Someone like that is fine. If you want to make thousands of suggestions like that, it's fine. No more suggestions that are people that used to play at USC or coach at USC and have never coached in college. Like, no, no more. The time for that is over. Is that my, uh, uh, my rant is over on that one. Let's see what we got. Um, call me when he finds, there's, there's so many, um, here. Okay. So here's some, these would work. Okay. I'm not going to say these are good or bad. PJ Fleck, Jeff Brom, Justin Fuentes, all uh, that's fine. To my knowledge, they don't know the fight song and they've been successful in college. I like all that kind of stuff. It's great. Um, so those are, those are good suggestions. Bad suggestions are who's this guy here. This is bad suggestion, John. No. Why do you want those guys? Jeff Frischer, because they played at USC. Like, so what? Like, no, that's, those are not good suggestions. Um, any other questions kind of on, um, oh, here's, okay, here's some interesting. Uh, from Mike. So I think going the coordinator route is, I mean, you could, you could sell me on it. The problem is USC went the coordinator route, like Clay Hilton, as nice of a guy is, wasn't really all that successful of a coordinator and he wasn't learning under successful head coaches. So it's not like Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin were crushing it. If you want to get an assistant, I get it. Nick Saban assistant, Dabo Sweeney assistant, Urban Meyer, like that's okay. But I think USC's kind of past that point where they can go on and, and get an assistant now. Now, uh, maybe when you're talking about uh, Clemson, uh, someone that's been, you know, rattled around for, and why am I blanking on his name? Uh, the defensive coordinator there. So someone put that in the comments. Um, yeah, something like that. Like a lot of people wanted him as a head coach. Tom Herman, when he was coming out, like people wanted him uh, as a head coach. I, that kind of stuff I get, but has to be like the uber successful assistant at an uber successful program, not mediocre assistant under mediocre head coaches. Like, why would you hire someone like that? Uh, Brent Venables is what I'm saying. So here, yeah. So Scott, thank you. Uh, Brent Venables, who's, who's, who's a coordinator that any college head coaching job comes up open. That's someone that you would look at. So, um, yes, that was the one. They need to be developed. It doesn't happen. So Tina, uh, I think you're talking about, uh, the offensive linemen, uh, being developed. And I think that's part of the problem with USC, we've seen wide receivers come in as five stars and four stars and leave and go to the NFL and they've done well. You know, um, we've seen offensive linemen come in as four as five stars and really do nothing. And I think player development is a big part of it. I think recruiting is, is important at USC, but I'm not, I don't go to say that USC recruits itself, but USC has all these inherent advantages where you can bring in prospects fairly easily. So I think that's something that, uh, works well. You get these guys in and, you know, they, they want to come to USC. A lot of them do. So a lot of it about recruiting at USC is evaluation where you have to, you have a lot of guys that want to come, but you have to figure out which ones would be best fit for you and which ones what you can, and then also develop them and bring them in to be NFL players. We've seen a wide discrepancy of guys not getting developed at certain positions and, and getting developed in others on the offensive line. There's 15 guys on scholarship. There's plenty of athletic bodies there. The fact that this is not a good offensive line is baffling to me. So this this move, they, I mean, if you didn't make it beginning of the season after the first couple games, three games, they should have done it. I think this is too late after game eight. But um, 
Let's go to Irvin. Uh, what is uh, Ryan? What is this positive impact? I'm sorry. Does this have a positive impact on recruiting with Neil Calloway gone? Well, I mean, turmoil is turmoil around the program. Uh, specifically for him as a recruiter, he didn't relate all that well uh, to a bunch of guys. But to be fair, Clay Helton, you know, people say, you know, Clay Helton did recruit linemen uh, pretty heavily, you know, and, but it wasn't always the position coaches that were getting uh, certain, you know, players in. Sometimes it was, you were relying on the really good staff members who could recruit to recruit all the positions and not just uh, the position coaches. But, you know, impact, I think right now, the most important thing is, it's not that USC doesn't have the offensive line coach anymore. I think Tim Drevno could come in and, and, you know, talk to some kids that, you know, maybe were on the fence or turned USC down or whatever it was. I think that's possible, but really the, the bigger factor is just what's the future of the overall coaching staff though. So this is like a, a little shakeup. Does it really, is, you know, they're going to get three commits tomorrow on the offensive line. No, I don't think anything like that, but um, I think you're seeing, you know, some steps, but there could be bigger steps taken uh, at the end of the season. Now, my belief is that without a president, Lin Swan would rather not make a move if he didn't have to. I don't think he's a huge Clay Helton fan, but I think he would rather not have to do it, you know, be forced into doing it. So he might be forced into doing it. And then there could be some, you know, ramifications there of like who they would be able to hire and all that kind of stuff. But this is, uh, you know, when you hire someone that's never done a job before, you hire Clay Helton, he's never been a head coach. You hire Lynn Swan, he's never been an athletic director. There's a lot of weird stuff that can happen, and we're seeing it already uh, at USC. So um, I think we're getting a lot of uh, bad suggestions. Uh, I can't see Clay Helton. So uh can't see Clay Helton staying. I mean, Clay Helton would love to stay. It's about what Lynn Swan is going to do, and, and we just don't know at this point. I mean, can you – does he want to wait till there's a, a permanent president in place? Like you, I mean, you have a lot more, if you get the, the sign off of a president, if you hire someone without that and can't even do it, uh, is he, you know, he's, he's more of like the CEO there. Um, so I think that's why when you went out and get, you know, I looked at all the athletic directors in the conference, only Arizona state didn't have a previous athletic director hired as their athletic director. He was a, a VP in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons and a former agent and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, really tied in the sports world, Lin Swan, you know, they plucked him out of obscurity. Like the, really the only thing that Lin Swan's bringing to the table. I mean, he's got a, a different background stuff, but nothing in college administration is he played football at USC. He knows football. So that's just a weird, weird hire. And, uh, you know, we don't know. It's a, that's a, that makes this whole thing an X factor that yes, you could potentially get rid of Clay Helton, but who are you going to end up, uh, bringing in? Let's see. Let's look out. What else we got? Manual. Um, okay. Our play calling sucked all year. Uh, Helton knows this. He's part of it. Yeah. So the play, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think it's specifically just, Oh, Hey, only play calling. I thought they called plays really nicely for the most part when Matt Fink was in and when Jack Sears was in, um, except for that, that option pitch was really awful like that. I don't know what, if you want to run the option, you got to run it like every day in practice. We never saw that thing run. And the fact that you get a turnover on that is, is pretty crazy. But um, it's more about the play design and where does the playbook come from? And I think looking at this, it just seems like it's some kind of gumbo offensive is what you call it. But creation from 
what was left over with Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. And neither one of those guys, they weren't like uh, learning the spread under Hal Mummy or anybody like a guru like that. It was kind of like this was the offense everyone's running. And they were kind of making their own stuff up and, and do it. Like they weren't really these gurus of uh, the spread offense. And that's where Clay Helton got all this stuff from. You needed, if you want to have a, a great offense, you get someone who's a guru at it. And that's where you kind of learn from. And, and none of those guys really learn from that. So I'm just not sure where this came from. It wasn't, it doesn't look like that some genius came up with this offense. And so I'm not going to say, Oh, it's play calling or this, but just the actual creation of the offense. If you want to be, if you're Clay Helton and somehow you keep the job, the first thing I think you go out and you hire a guru offensive coordinator that brings his own system and does his own thing. And I think you get someone that's learned from some of the pillars of college football, then, uh, then you have a chance for, for success because you have the athletes here, but you need a great plan. I just haven't seen a great plan. I'm not gonna say it's the play calling it's, it's T's problem. To me, it's more about the offensive, uh, design. All right, here's, I haven't read this one yet, but I'm going to, uh, Put it up here. Uh, Adrian Helton has led USC to back-to-back uh, -back 10-win seasons, a Pac-12 title, which hadn't been done in a decade, and a Rose Bowl victory. Uh, there have been inconsistencies, yes, but Helton should be given his chance. I think after next season, uh, we don't go back to the Pac-12 title game, title game. He should go. T should never have been the OC to begin with. So, Adrian, you are a dying breed. Um, we would call you – there's – two classifications of fans on our, on the parastyle message board. There's the sunshine pumpers and the doom and gloomers, sunshine pumpers. Everything's great. You know, uh, doom and gloomers is everyone's awful. Just kind of a, in a nutshell, most of the Adrians right now are gone. So the sunshine pumpers who were saying exactly what Adrian was saying, Hey, he won the Rose bowl. He won pac 12 title, uh, 10 games, two years in a row. That's what they look at. Um, but then you see you, but Adrian, you did see USC go to Stanford and score three points, right? And you did see uh, giving up thirty-four straight points to uh, Texas. Uh, it's in, in Utah. I mean, there's some bad thing. If you watch the games, there's some bad things going on. Yes, Clay Helton has had some success. Are you going to say it's all because of Sam Darnold? I'm not going to say it's all because of Sam Darnold, but I think a lot of it was because of Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's gone, and. The, the eye test that we're putting out there, and I know how talented this team is. I mean, you look at the the talent index from 24-7, looking at the players that are still on the team, they're up there. They're number four in the country behind Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. All of, like stud coaches, they have stud talent and stud coaches, and they're successful. USC has stud talent. They don't have stud coaches, and they aren't successful. So, Adrian, I to me, I mean, if I'm Lynn Swan, and I, I like Clay Helton as much as anybody has ever covered. Um, I see enough right now that it's not, this team isn't close. They're not going in the right direction. He's trying to make a move now, but I kind of feel it's too little too late. So if I'm Lynn Swan, I think he's completely justified uh, in making a move and, and getting rid of Clay Helton. And for, at the time, I think you did need someone like Clay Helton because of the other bad hires that USC had made. So, Bad hires Lane Kiffin, bad hires Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, then he puts you in a hole and with all the crazy turmoil that was going on. They did need an adult in the room. And Clay Helton was that. And you brought him in, uh, you know, if it ends up, it ends up being just like a stopgap where he kind of brings some stability back to the program and has some really good success with the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 championship. That's great, you know. 
And I don't think there'd be any hard feelings moving on. You know, he had a Clay Allen had an amazing opportunity here. I think if he would have hired better, he could have been around a lot longer. But it seems like they were safe uh, hires that you people that were close to him, that people that he knew, as opposed to going out and making splashier hires that would be threats. Certainly, you know, if you there's no one really on the staff that could take over for him. There's no head coaches on the staff. So what does that tell you? There's no one on the staff right now that could be a head coach. So there's no threats on the staff, but that's sort of like, that's not a way to keep in power. You got to hire people around you that are successful. Dila McCullough was an amazing hire for, for Clay Helton. He didn't know the fight song. He came from obscurity in Indiana where he was a really good running back coach. So what did you look at his resume? He was a great running back coach at Indiana. He recruited the position. Well, he came in and did an amazing job for Ronald Jones last year. And that group ended up getting an opportunity in the NFL and left. But you didn't go back and, and repeat that. You just kind of like that was a blueprint for success for Clay Helton. And he hasn't followed that when it comes to hirings, promotions from within, you know, hiring more Western Kentucky, all that stuff. That's not that's not good enough. So there's two, you can't pile too many of those. You can do one or two of those, but he piled too many of those up. So now eight games in, you're getting rid of Neil Calloway. Uh, I just think that's not going to be enough. So, Adrian, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, it's great, but. There's not as many of you around anymore. There was a bunch of you before, but now they see what's on the field, and a lot of people just don't feel that way. So, uh, Gerald, here's the problem is this is a really talented team. You can't look at excuses and say, oh, yeah, they, they had a freshman quarterback and blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, it's a stacked roster. You look at the stars that have come in, and it's not just – it's not an – the anomaly is USC because the teams that USC's up there with as far as the same metrics – and the, pl- the players they have on their team are Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. What are all those teams doing? Like winning lots of games. USC isn't winning lots of games. So USC is the anomaly. Uh, an- anomaly. Uh, sorry, it's been a long kind of day. I've got the sun setting over here and stuff. That I know the lighting might be a little bit weird. So um, I, don't know, I haven't read this, but let's just throw it up there. Uh, can Clay be successful if other coaches see him as on his way out? What good coach would come here to assist if they see him as temporary? So... Okay, so a lot. Of, this is a good point, Rick. A lot of this depends on how USC finishes off the season. Um, will USC finish off good enough that Clay Helton stays? Then, if that's the case, how many changes does he make? Is this it? Uh, does he go out and do anything else? Like basically, he would go have to get a running back coach right now. I, I would think someone like T. Martin would leave. Would he go out and get hire a new offensive coordinator? I think. It's, there's a big enough draw at USC that if you're a an offensive coordinator, some guru somewhere, and you have a chance to come in and be successful at USC, you're an alpha guy. You feel like you can go in and do it. You're not like, well, the staff's probably not going to be around any longer. If it's a great opportunity and you feel you can go in and kill it, I, I think in most situations that's not going to be uh, a factor. But you know, if he's going to fire everybody and, and everyone looks at this as his, his last year, I mean, I think – yeah, I think there could be some problems there, but if it's just a few spots and you want to try to go bring in an offensive coordinator from some, just find some offense in the country that's just kicking ass and you want to bring that dude in, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's some some opportunities there. And, and who knows? That could be someone that feels like they could take over the job if Clay Helton is fired after a year. So I see what you're saying, but I don't think it's – I still think it's USC. And, and Dylan McCullough jumped at the opportunity to come to USC. Now, it wasn't – you know, it didn't look like the coach was going to be leaving anytime soon, but he knew 
he was recruiting well at Indiana. And I talked to him about this. We were, well, not in this room, but the other room when he came in to uh, do my podcast. I mean, he would try to get guys that LSU wanted and to try to convince them. And it took a lot. When he came to USC, he didn't have to convince them. Like you just, hey, I want you to come to USC. It's a lot easier. So there's some advantages to it still, even though if you have like a quote unquote uh, dead man walking coach. Um, let's see. Nick says the freshman QB argument doesn't work because it was Helton who made him the starter. I don't know what they saw in practice, but this dude was not ready. I don't agree with you on that, Nick. I think I think we watched all the practices, and I thought JT Daniels looked the best coming in without spring football. But I felt like Jack Sears was up there and and closer to him than Matt Fink was, and they put you know Jack Sears as the number three guy. And some of that has to do with you know what was going on in the meeting rooms and classrooms and things like that. Uh, that was going to take over. So what can you control? You can control who you hire as your quarterback coach. And I like Brian Ellis. I mean, I don't, I mean, he might be the best quarterback coach in the country for all I know, but Clay Helton couldn't know that because he's never done it before. So I think you have to just say, yeah, maybe he's great. And I know him and I'm familiar with him, but we're going to have an inexperienced quarterback. I need to go get a proven commodity for sure. Keep, Brian Ellis on staff, groom him up and let him be it. But it's too early for him to take over that spot because you have to, you're going to throw some quarterback out to the wolves. And so I, for different reasons than you, Nick, I don't buy the, uh, the freshman quarterback uh, excuse, especially because we're seeing freshmen all over the country. It's a different game. Now freshmen come in and play. And if you don't come in and play, they transfer out. So you got to be able to play as a freshman. So that's on you as a coaching staff to get those guys ready. So uh, Irvin, watch more film and football. Yeah, so there's a little joke about they were watching film harder and things like that. So it's to me, it's more about um, you know what you're doing on the practice field. And uh, that's let me pull that up here. There was one. Where was it? Uh, practice. What about those JT throws into triple coverage from Daryl? Okay, yeah, JT did. He's, he is a true freshman. He hasn't made you know a lot of perfect throws. Uh, I mean, he's made a bunch of really good throws, but he's made some mistakes too. I think that's expected. That's not an excuse to why you're four and four. Um, they've had three different quarterbacks play this year, and not all of them played pretty well. Like when Fink came in, I thought they ran the offense pretty well, and Jack Sears did a nice job uh, Saturday. So it's not JT Daniels' fault. I mean, to me, it's more about that. Let's see. Um, DS uh, Asado. Good thing Pittman can create plays. No, that this is a good point. And this is the problem with what I see from this USC offense. It's more about individuals making great plays and Michael Pittman making a great play. Tyler Vaughn's, I mean, it's a nice play design where the, the pitch it back, but you have your wide receiver that needs to throw a perfect strike and a wide receiver to make a great catch to make that play work. It wasn't like it worked where the guy was wide open. Uh, that was not the case. You know, usually you got to play like that. You want a dude wide open. Michael Pittman wasn't wide open. It was an amazing individual play by Tyler Vaughns and Michael Pittman. And we've just seen too many of those things where it's individuals making things work. When, you know, I've been harping on USC special teams for a long time. And a lot of, you know, John Baxter, special teams coordinator, someone I've been very critical of. And then people are like, well, look, Adoree Jackson did his, you know, he ran that back for a touchdown. To me, that was that was more about an individual making a ridiculous play. And USC seemed to rely on that quite a bit. They rely on that five-star talent. They rely on those people to go out and make those plays. And in college, you want to be able to see 
just plays work and and schemes confuse a defense. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, I think of the the Arizona game, Khalil Tate's first like touchdown pass against Oregon. There was a dude, you know, thirty yards wide open. Now there's some kind of coverage breakdown by Oregon, but you got to play design plays where guys are. It's easier for your quarterback. And what we're seeing when JT Daniels is like these are pretty amazing plays by a bunch of five star guys, but it's not necessarily by the scheme. And I think you need the scheme to help out your five-star players, not just relying on your five-star players to make plays all the time. So um, let's see. Rick, uh, are we going to lose Sears if they stay with JT the rest of the year? So we asked Clay Hilton about this last night. JT is the starter when he comes back. Now, I don't think you're going to lose Jack Sears. If you would have lost him, you would have lost him when he was named the third-string quarterback. If anything, he might have moved his way up to the second-string quarterback because you could see what he could do. Uh, on the field because he's got some experience. So, no, I don't think there's any sort of risk of losing Jack Sears now because, you know, you didn't lose him when he was named the third-string quarterback, and he hasn't really had a significant practice rep since the third week of fall camp. But he got his opportunity with really one week to prepare, and it wasn't even that. They didn't, you know, practice as long as they normally do during that week. Um, and he got he went in there and played pretty well. So, no, I think that probably gives him more confidence than anything. But, you know, he would like to to be out there and be the starter, uh, you know, but JT, Clay Hilton made it clear he's the guy. So um, here's from Marty. I'll just, I know people like harp on this a lot, but which we would have kept Ed Orgeron instead of just dumping him, uh, making the wrong choice. Look what we've done with LSU. Sad and embarrassing to lose to a team like uh, AZU, Arizona State, last Saturday. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that's one of the things. I, I, I always harp on what Pat Hayden did at USC, Look at his five top five or six major decisions for Pat Hayden. Do the exact opposite, and the program would be in a much better spot. And one of them at the time, Ed Orgeron, you, I think you should have kept him. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, he's not the head coach. Like, it it would have been no worse than I mean, obviously a lot better than what you did with Steve Sarkeesian. You bring in Steve Sarkeesian, not only does he flame out in fifteen games or whatever it was, sixteen games. But you opened up the door for Washington to get Chris Peterson. Like you made it, it was a double bad mistake. And we've seen, you know, I think Edward Drone changed as a head coach. He's doing a really good job at LSU, beat three top 10 teams this year. So Patty had a choice between two interim coaches and he picked the wrong one, you know? Um, so you, you fire the one you should have hired and you hired the one you shouldn't have retained. So uh, those are just, that's, that's the, the, the higher up decision making process. When we when they make these decisions and we criticize them like this is a bad decision, you don't necessarily see it. But then now later on you say, yeah, that that really was a bad decision. Um, so yeah, I love Ed Orgeron. That's you know obviously that's water on the bridge and stuff now. But um, that's uh, but that's one of those things where you've you've created this huge problem by not hiring him because you took Sark away, which you shouldn't have hired Sark anyway, and you left a void at a powerful program who they were thinking about getting rid of Sark anyway at some point and allows Chris Peterson to come in there. And then who's to say Sark leaves after a year or two and they get Chris Peterson anyway, but you basically set up Washington for, you know, for, for the next 15 years because you uh, took Sark away, took off their hands. Um, let's, this is kind of interesting from Dennis. Uh, it feels a little like Clay uses the first few games like preseason. Unfortunately this year, the preseason turned into the whole season. Now I think that's a good point. I, I don't feel like there's some good weeks of preparation in fall camp, uh, getting ready for the season, but it seems like Clay Hilton uses games as a way to 
uh, kind of get better as opposed to the week of practice in between games to get better. The only time they're really hitting and tackling and, and being physical is on Saturdays. And I think uh, that's, you know, that's a philosophy. It doesn't seem to be a philosophy that's working all that well. And you can't, uh, you know, it, it's more of like an NFL philosophy. Like you said, you know, every week is a battle you have to get through. No, you're USC. Like every week shouldn't be a battle. There should be like six games. You just destroy people. There'll be some, you know, you have a clunker in there that you, hopefully you're talented enough to win. Um, and then, you know, some really good games and some of the other ones. But USC has been in the every one of these is like a clunker that you could lose or win. And that, that shouldn't be the case. There's too big of a talent discrepancy for that to happen. So that could happen once or twice. We've seen that happen with Pete Carroll and other stuff. But it also goes along with just thumping some people that you should thump. And, uh, you know, to Clay Holden's credit, he's won a lot of those games that you should win. They haven't lost a lot. But when they're an underdog, they don't win. Uh, when they're favored, which is most of the time, they typically win. And, you know, sometimes on the road or whatever, they don't. But they've been really good at home. You lose that, um, you know, as a favorite. It, there's there's problems here. And I feel like what you're saying is kind of true. The preparation had to change. You have to do something different. You have to practice harder during the week to get these guys ready for the games. It can't be that the first few games are some sort of preseason and then you're ready. Cause I mean, the preseason, like you said in the question, it's been, it's been going on too long. All right. Uh, I don't know if we're getting any more. doesn't look like here. Let me get some more comments here. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, I don't know if the, the questions are. Okay. Here we go. Um, wow. We're good. Okay. There. Let's see. We got, yeah. Stop with the little deer. Here's uh someone, Tim, I'll probably, Ended up uh, after this one. Um, USC pays for coaches. Helton is the first cheap buy they've made in almost two decades. Um, yeah, no, I think as far as we don't know for Clay Helton, uh, obviously that was a cheap, that was cheap. When you just hire your interim coach, it's, it's a cheap buy. The assistant coaches though, did Clay Helton want to go out and get huge name assistant coaches? Um, I don't think so. And like they have the administration say, no, I don't think that was the case. I think Clay Houghton hired who he wanted to hire. It wasn't like there was a case of him uh, being limited. The problem is you don't have a president of the university right now. Like if Nick Saban, like whatever, just I'm, obviously it's not going to happen. Nick Saban said for $8 million, I'll come to USC. Well, can Lynn Swan approve that? Like you don't even have a president in place. I don't think you could even get something like that done. Uh, if you wanted to. So there's just not a lot of coaches out there that are, you know, have national championships. A guy like Bob Stoops, he said he's got a national championship. There's just not a lot of those dudes available. Uh, if Stoops needed $5 million, could USC do it right now? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. We just don't know because of the the void of, uh, you know, a president, the power vacuum that, that exists up there. But uh, I don't think, I think USC could pay, um, and I think Clay Hilton could have hired some higher name assistant coaches. I don't feel like that was a handcuff on him uh, from the administration. So it's really, to me, it was more about he was hiring people that he felt really comfortable with. But if you get rid of him, what is the bank, you know, what is the, what is it going to be? What kind of budget is Lin Swan going to have? Uh, we still know. I mean, I think it's hard to even say anything that would be huge because there's a lack of president, a lack of a president right now. Uh, Robert. Hey, Robert, what's up? Uh, do you get the feeling that Clay Helton is afraid to hire his replacement? Well, I feel like that was the, the case when he hired everybody. I like now, I don't think it matters. Like now you're like, where are you? Um, but yeah, I feel like at the time 
He didn't hire anyone. You know, you're a rookie head coach and you hire a rookie offensive coordinator. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. That was basically just keeping everything the same. Um, you have to go out and get someone with experience. I love what Justin Wilcox did. He's a rookie head coach. He was a young guy. A lot of people like were questioning that. I mean, it was a weird kind of call for Cal to do that. But he went out and got head coaches as his coordinator. So that's a different story. And we haven't seen Clay Elton do that. So, Robert, I think that was the case then. I'm not sure about now. Um, but, yeah, I think now it's like it's probably too little too late for him. I don't think he's going to not hire someone. Now he's going to try to hire someone that's going to save his job. So I don't think he's worried about hiring someone that would take over for him. If he, if he can't do that, then um, let's see. Adrian, Stoops, Stoops is staying in Oklahoma. I live in Oklahoma, and they treat him like a god here. He wouldn't go back to coach if you offered him $10 million a year. Yeah, I've heard some of that stuff too. Uh, but just a name like that out there because he's currently not have a job, and he's won a national championship before. Um, let's see. Robert, given the weakness of the offensive line, having Jack Sears with the ability to roll out and scramble, do you feel that Clay Helton, uh, oh, sorry, it's scrolling fast. You guys got a lot of things. Uh, do you feel like Clay Helton should consider using Jack Sears over the next couple of games versus Daniels? Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I would like them to use, I like JT Daniels, but I would like them to, give him a more simplified playbook that Matt Fink and Jack Sears have had. My feeling, and it's just the gut feeling I get from watching it, is when JT Daniels is out there, it's like, let him do what he can do. Go out and just win it like, like Sam Darnold would go out and win it. Where when you see Matt Fink come in and Jack Sears come in, they've limited the playbook. They've tried to give, you know, give him plays to, to help him succeed. I don't know why you're not doing that for JT Daniels. I mean, they said they've limited the play. They've, they've simplified things to make it simpler and more easier to understand and, you know, give them a better chance of success. They don't do that with JT Daniels. So I would love to see JT Daniels back out there, but with Colin plays that would just kind of help him, like let him run some screens and, uh, and, and, you know, dump it off to the tight end to, to get some, you know, nice yard. We saw these really cool, play designs that we never saw with JT Daniels. And I don't know why that is unless because they feel like he's got this arm that they can, you know, can save the team. And they were just rolling him out there to do that, which I don't think is fair to him. So I think as a college coach, you have to put your players young, old, whatever in a, in a place that they can succeed. I think they did a pretty good job with that with Sears and Fink and just not so much with JT Daniels. So, uh, here's my boy DS, uh, Hufunga is a beast. Yeah, reminds me of the next Palomalu, Hawaiian power. Diaz, he was one of my favorite dudes to cover. Uh, he's going he's gonna to be doing this someday. He's communications. Um, he's out there bawling. And to, for him to break his collarbone on that, uh, the, I'm not the killer, uh, Manny Wilkins uh, fake inside, and then he took it off outside and ran and scored a 45-yard touchdown. Really unfortunate to see. And obviously USC's in tough spot as far as the uh, safety position goes. But, man, love that kid. He does ball, and uh, I think a uh, huge loss for the USC defense. So he's a true freshman. Uh, he'll be he'll bounce back and uh, come back. But he's an absolute stud, so I think someone that you really uh, like to see. Okay, let's see. Um, yeah, I think we're going to end this stuff. There's a lot of – there's more bad ideas out there. Uh, some good ideas, too, you know, like – uh, like James Franklin's really interesting at Penn State. Um, you know, he's been kind of up and down. We got a bunch of Dave Arandas. 
<laughs> we have a high school coach. No, um, <laughs> no high school coaches. Sorry about that. Um, coach K. Yeah, he's good, right? Um, <laughs> this isn't basketball. Uh, but yeah. All right. Let's see. Um, I think we're going to end this, uh, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this little solo one. I just really thought we needed to do something because it was some big, uh, breaking news. Regular tunnel vision will be back on Thursday. Uh, today's Monday, Tuesday. We will have, um, our podcast with Dan Weber. So Keely will be in studio. We'll do that. Probably a lot of talk about this as well, but I was already in studio recording a podcast and I felt like, heck, we got to do something. Oh, here's one. John Ryan's coach. No, I don't, I don't know enough football to be the coach. I could be an athletic director though. You want me to be the athletic director? I'll come in and, and I'll, I'll change everything. Don't, you know, just everything. It would be great. So let me come in there. Uh, I'll do that. So write your congressman, call USC, tell him you want me as the athletic director, but no, just kidding. But thank you uh, for all the questions and everything. Uh, some really good comments. We had a lot of people uh, on the show, so that's great. So a lot of people watching. Um, we'll be back with our regular stuff. Uh, normally, like I said, we do uh, Facebook, we do um, YouTube, and we do uh, Periscope. This was just a Facebook one today because I was by myself. But um, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Tunnel Vision. Normally, Thursdays at noon, Sundays at 7 p.m. after Clay Helton's conference call. But thanks for, for listening. Thanks for all the questions and everything. 